Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money each and every day. And I'd like to thank our Clark Deals team for working 20 hours a day through the Amazon Prime Day frenzy. There was a two-day thing. And they're all just beat, but they were there to tell you what were deals and what were fake deals. Make sure that you, if you did choose to shop, that you found the best deals possible. And today, there continue to be great sales from Walmart.com and Costco.com. So the bargains do continue. Oh, and there are, if you're looking for back-to-school computers... There are some great deals on back-to-school computers, and we've got those for you today on Clark Deals. Coming up a little later, there's an app that has caught on like crazy around the country, but has some real problems in it for you and your privacy. We're going to fill you in and tell you what you need to know if you've already used the app to try to protect yourself moving forward. And coming up yet later, speaking of protecting yourself, if you're going to move, moving is tough. I mean, it's a hassle. But what if the mover you choose is not any good or they're a crook? I've got steps for you to follow to protect yourself when you are doing a move. I want to talk right now about an ongoing price war that is really, really smiling on your wallet. The investment world is going through a dramatic change right now. There used to be expenses for investing that were like a gradual slope. And so you had from relatively low cost to relatively high cost, and there were companies and funds all the way up and down that slope. Today, the market is changing dramatically. And there are some very large players that charge extremely low costs for handling your investing. And then there are others at the other extreme charging massive commissions and fees and expenses. And there's almost nothing in between. One of the big stories in the financial press that's not really something that's part of what you and I would talk about every day is how the companies that are mid-priced in investing are being squeezed out of existence because people are either becoming aware and price conscious and investing in retirement accounts or in investment accounts or whatever at extremely low costs or they're not really sure how it all works and they end up in the clutches of ultra-expensive full-commission stockbrokers or insurance companies, or a bank investment arm. So today, yet another big move to lower costs has come from Fidelity Investments. Fidelity, along with Schwab and Vanguard, are the three arch-rival competitors that are getting larger and larger and larger with trillions and trillions of dollars of investment assets at each of them, and they're gathering more of people's investment dollars because the three of them are offering so much lower costs than are generally in the industry. But Fidelity 
hates Vanguard. I mean, they're like the Hatfields and McCoys. I don't know that Vanguard hates Fidelity, but Fidelity hates Vanguard. And so Fidelity has cut costs on a bunch of their funds again, and they've launched some new funds with expenses for management that are lower than Vanguard. And Vanguard has always been the low-cost operator in the marketplace. Fidelity used to be kind of a mid-price outfit, and they've become a low-cost and very aggressive player. And so I love this kind of competition. It's great for you as a consumer. And by the way, when you go into these things, if you're a Fidelity customer, you go into these funds, you pay no commissions in, you pay no commissions out, and you pay almost invisible management fees for them to manage your money. In this case, a lot of these funds are five one-hundredths of one percent per year in management fees. You go to an insurance company, your management fees will be, let me see, 80 times that on a lot of uh, the annuity products. Is it 80? Let's see, 20. Yeah, 80 times that. And you go to a full commission stockbroker, you'll pay somewhere around 40 times that. And so this is, this is a, an important thing with your wallet because over the long haul, the expenses you pay for the money you invest or the money you put into a retirement account investing through it, the expenses make a massive difference in how much money you end up with what kind of comfort you'll have when you decide not to stop working and how soon you can stop working and enjoy a retired life simply because of the difference in what you pay in fees and expenses being with Vanguard, Schwab, or Fidelity versus these other outfits that are so high cost. Then you pile on here that the full commission stockbrokers and the insurance companies are not fiduciaries to you, meaning that they are doing what suits them, not what suits you, not what's best for you, but what's best for them. And so with that having been said, it's great that we have these three gigantic companies that are offering so much product available to you for investing at extremely low cost. So your money's working for you, not for somebody else. Steve is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Steve. Hey, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Steve. You are thinking of selling a place and doing owner financing, something that I love doing myself. Well, that's great. Yes, I am, and I'm interested in your thoughts and opinions on it as we evaluate this offer, and uh, it's in Florida. So I know you're a property owner down there too, but any thoughts you have on advice? And I think the main things I'm interested in, I understand all the basic concepts, but how it, what, what are the tax implications? Uh, all right, well, let's go back a step. Protect ourselves. Let's go back a okay. step because you said something really important. You said this property that you're going to sell, that you're going to own or finance is in Florida. And the reason Correct. that's significant is Florida has very tough laws for lenders in the event the borrower chooses to not pay, for you to get the property Correct. back, the foreclosure process is brutal for you as an owner finance lender. So right. 
the thing that I would say is you should never offer to own or finance a property in Florida with anything less than 20% down payment. Okay. Because the, right. because people who put 20% down are very highly unlikely to default on a loan because they've got so much money in it. And okay. so you don't want to be in a position where you let somebody owner finance with you and they put five or ten percent down and they're like oh life got a little tough here i will i'm i'm just not going to pay it can take right. it can take years in florida to get your property back okay well that that was my main concern i think around what happens if uh, the buyer defaults at, at any point along the way so how much down are you uh, potentially getting from a buyer uh, in the current offer we've got, it's about fifteen uh, percent. That's that's a little that's a little skinny there. Yeah, that, I'd be a little nervous at okay. fifteen. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, that's not like somebody who, who puts down five percent and shrugs their shoulders, but but um, I'd like it yeah. a little little more money, a little more skin in the game from them before you own or finance. What? What if they offer Clark to pay all commissions and all closing costs? Well, I, I mean, they've got payment? they've got more in the game then, and they're less likely okay. again to walk away. The more they've got in it, the less likely they are to be a problem for you later. Okay, understood. That that's what I was thinking too. Okay. And so, what kind of interest rate are you going to get? What credit? Oh, actually, go back a step. What credit score does the borrower have? That information I haven't received yet. So we're at, we've asked for that. I'm asking for a credit report and last two years tax returns. And once we get that, uh, our plan was a, the offer actually was a 6% rate. All right. Somebody who's offering to pay you a 6% rate uh, probably doesn't have the most fantastic credit score at a time that mortgage rates are down in the upper right. threes. So this is a higher risk kind of thing you're getting into. I'm getting okay. more nervous. I started I started picking on one of my fingernails when you said that. I'm nervous about your money. It's not my money, and I'm nervous about yeah, your money. A, I said I better ask Clark, see what he thinks. So somebody so, who yeah, up front exactly is that. offering a 6% rate, I'm really worried what you're going to find in their uh, credit background. Yeah, I believe they're self-employed, and they've had concerns doing conventional financing. So, but... That was the main thing I was uh, looking for is ways to protect myself and understand how to structure it. Yeah, so, so you're, starting, you're starting to make me think more and more that maybe they need to go get their own loan. Right. Okay. I'm not, well, feel, I'm not, feeling, so, not feeling so confident yeah. about you doing seller financing in this case. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Clark. I've okay. been listening for years. Appreciate everything you do for us. All right. Best to you. I want you to get your money. Jonathan's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Clark. How are you today, sir? G great. Thank you, Jonathan. How can I be of service? Uh, so my question is ultimately about trying to decide on allocating some savings funds between a Roth 401k and an HSA. Um, I'd like to be putting some money into an HSA because I know there are a lot of tax benefits for that, um, but we're investing um, fifteen percent of our household income into retirement right now, and so we don't have 
a lot of additional to, to also do an HSA. So you're in an HSA-eligible health plan? Yes, that's correct. All right, so the HSA is the one form of uh, tax advantage or tax-free savings that is superior to a Roth IRA. They're absolutely great because you're able to divert pre-tax dollars in and then use them for eligible medical expenses tax-free. And have all the growth that you'd have with the HSA. So whether an HSA is worth you reducing the amount you contribute to a Roth 401k, so you have money to put into an HSA, depends on this question. You ready? I'm ready. When you have out-of-pocket deductible expenses on health care each year, can you afford to handle those out of your pocket or would you need to draw on the money that you put into the HSA? So we have been um, we've been paying for for medical expenses out of pocket. Like in prior years, we've contributed a little bit to the HSA, but we've we've backed that off, and we're not doing that currently. Um, the, so you so, haven't used you, know, the, I, you haven't used the money you put in the HSA. You're letting it grow. Correct. The right. only caveat is that we, we have a baby on the way due later this year. So Well, congratulations. Um, oh, thank you. So, um, so let me, the reason I said that, up, let me explain. The big, yeah. big, big advantage with an HSA is where you can put money into it, let it grow for years and years to come, don't tap it to pay those deductibles and those out-of-pocket medical expenses, then you get the massive tax benefit of having put in pre-tax dollars, have those dollars grow, and then be able to spend them without having to pay tax on any of the earnings. So if you think you can handle covering medical expenses, um, including having a new baby in the household, then there's an enormous advantage that is worth it to reduce how much you're contributing to a retirement account so that you can then put money and fully fund an HSA each year. So that's kind of an if-then. If you think you can handle that, then absolutely you want to make that move and fully fund that HSA. Today's Clark Rageous Moment. I'm going to rain on the parade of something people are so excited about right now, the Face app. In fact, right here in the studio, there were two people who were downloading the Face app right while I walked by a minute ago. It is hot, hot, hot right now. If you know what it is, you take an image of yourself, and then it shows you at different ages. It uses artificial intelligence to show what you'd look like. Well, got a warning for you. This is so important. When you download the app, this is the permission you're giving. You give FaceApp a perpetual, irrevocable, non-exclusive, royalty-free, worldwide, fully paid, transferable, sub-licensable license to use, reproduce, modify, adapt, publish, translate, create derivative works from, distribute, publicly perform, and display your user content in any name, username, or likeness provided in connection with your user content in all media formats and channels now known or later developed without compensation to you. That was a mouthful. And that's just one part of what you're signing away using the app. Now, the word's starting to get out for people who've already done the Face app 
about what permissions you're giving in perpetuity. And so they have responded in a media release saying that, well, okay, okay, you don't want us to have all this stuff and do all this stuff to you. We accept requests from, this is their quote, we accept requests from users for removing all their data from our servers. And so you send the request under settings. I got, the, I got all the things you have to do on Clark.com. But I want you to understand that when you download an app that's just like, oh, you got to do this, you got to try this, you're not going to believe this, take your picture. You have no idea what they're going to do with that image. And the worst part, where's the company from? It's from Russia. You want them having your personal data and permissions? I don't think so. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. Some of the ugliest things we've ever heard from callers have concerned moves. Some of the TV stories I've done are beyond just your comprehension, where I'm sitting there uh, interviewing a couple and all their possessions are gone because they ended up in the hands of what's known as a bandit mover. It is an industry that's a tough industry to start with because even legitimate movers, it's tough work, mistakes happen, as employee turnover, any of a number of things can go wrong. And so it's hard to know how to not get burned. So I want you to know that the more methodical you are in planning a move, the better a chance you have that it's going to go smoothly. And there are some things that I want you to do when you go about planning a move that if you take these steps, you should make things not hassle-free, but you can avoid the kind of disaster stories that I've done on TV so much. So first things first, I want you to videotape all your possessions, just like I want you to do that every year for homeowner's insurance purposes or rental insurance purpose, that you go around and you you do a walk and talk with your cell phone, and if you have Google Photos, it's not going to cause you a storage problem, and that works on iPhones and Androids, by the way, for free. And you, you shoot that video so that you know everything you got, when you got it, and all the rest. It's valuable regularly, routinely, especially valuable when you move. If there's something that somehow doesn't make it from one residence to another, and you're able to reconstruct clearly what it was that went missing for the mover. And again, that's in cases where things just happen. That's not in a case of total theft. A big mistake people will make when they're looking for a mover is they'll get quotes over the phone from someone who never comes to see their stuff, never comes to see your house. Those are fake quotes. They're just designed to get you to sign up with a particular mover, or in the worst case, it could be a broker supposedly representing movers. And so that price means zero that they give you. If you're doing a state-to-state move, unless you get what's known as a binding estimate, 
then the mover can charge you whatever amount they want. They can tell you with just an estimate that, oh, we estimate it's going to be $4,000 to move your stuff. And then they get your stuff to where you're going, and they can suddenly tell you, no, it's 14000 And you're legally required to pay it because you didn't get a binding estimate. It is so important that you have that key term, binding estimate. Uh, some movers will do an alternative in addition to a binding estimate where they will give you an estimate that will not exceed a certain price. So it could be less than that, but typically it's going to be up to whatever price they say not to exceed. When you are hiring a mover, you can get ideas from friends, family member who've, members who've done moves, but I especially like for you with a state-to-state move to go to the pro-mover program of the American Moving and Storage Association, and you're able through the pro-mover program to get a mover who they have vetted and certified, and if there's a dispute with that mover, there's a resolution process that they must follow with you in order to resolve complaints. One other thing I want to make sure I emphasize with you when you're doing a move is that because of the lack of any focus on consumers in Washington, the standards of coverage on a move have not been updated since the 1930s. So under current law in the United States, when you move state to state, your move is essentially uninsured no matter what happens unless you buy coverage for that move. And there's only one kind of coverage that makes sense for you to buy. It's what's known as replacement value coverage. The mover normally will not offer that as a standard thing. You have to ask for replacement value coverage. What that means is that if they break your TV, they don't say, oh, well, that TV is three years old. We're going to give you 12 cents for it. They have to replace it with a brand new TV, period. No cost to you. And so you don't get into an argument about depreciation or anything like that if you buy replacement value coverage. I have a step-by-step guide for you at Clark.com that we've just updated on the things you should do in order to protect yourself on a move. And if you follow those steps, again, I can't promise you a hassle-free move. But what I can promise you is the chances that you'll be scammed by somebody drop to virtually zero. Keith is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Keith. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great. Thank you, Keith. How can I be of service to you? Well, thank you very much for everything that you do. You got us um, really turned around, learning the right stuff. Um, we're, we're both contributing. My fiance and I are both contributing in our Roth 401k at work now because of you. Um, we just figured out how to invest our HSA. That took a little bit of time to figure out how to do. but um, So we're going to be maxing that out next year. But I, I have a question for you. Wait, wait, how old are get... you and your fiance that you're already doing your Roth 401ks, your funding HSAs? How old are you? So, so, so we're in our late 20s. I'm, I'm 29. She's 27. That's fantastic. Um, so we're, we're excited to you know, put down the, the right building blocks. Great. Great. I'm so happy to hear it. 
So, so my question is, we're starting to become more successful in our careers. Like for, for, um, kind of ballpark we're when, when we get married next year, we'll likely not be able to contribute to a, a Roth IRA for just like ballpark income. But uh, a lot of our income, we, we are working for a tech company and a bunch of our income is coming in uh, as uh, stock grants and stock units from the, from the company, which is great. And our incomes is really starting to rise. And because we don't have a ton of assets right now, um, I know you have suggested like a Garrett planning um, financial advisor, but those you were saying in a previous podcast that they were, um, they could cost thousands of dollars and, and they, you know, they want to help you manage a big portfolio. We no, 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 no. Let, let me take you back. That's, um, yeah. that's not Garrett. So Garrett, oh. the way Garrett works, Garrett's like going to an accountant, a lawyer, or a doctor where you pay him or her for the time they spend with you and the advice they give. So you're only paying for the clock hours that, that they're working for you. And it's kind of like going, when you go to a Garrett person, it's kind of like going to a doctor for an annual physical where they check out how you're doing and make recommendations for you and how you should handle things moving forward. So you're not paying them any fee for managing money for you or anything like that. They're, they're just acting as an expert giving you advice. Perfect, and that, that's exactly what we were we were looking for. Um, just because we need a little help, I feel like with, you know, we have a lot of moving pieces, and maybe it might be better to put money in like a traditional four hundred one k to reduce, um, you know, some of our our taxable income, and we we have just a, a, a bunch of moving parts, and um, I, I'd love to get someone to look at that. I know that in a previous episode you had said that sometimes they have minimum like minimum number of hours that they need to to take on your your account. Yeah, so they'll tell you. They'll you tell can... you if there if there actually is one. But um, let's talk about tax brackets for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. So both of you are making really decent incomes working in tech, but as far as switching from a um, a Roth 401k to a traditional 401k, you don't do that till your combined income. Well, actually, you're filing individually now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. You don't do that till your individual income goes above 165,000 a year. That's kind of the cutoff where it starts to make sense to do a traditional 401k versus a Roth. Mm-hmm. Are you in that rarefied air yet? Uh, yeah, yeah. We uh, well, one of us will be. So the one of you who is would be served going into a traditional four hundred one k. The other would be best served staying in the Roth four hundred one k. Got it. But and it, so but, the the, the piece ahead. with the with some of the stock units that that will be you know vesting over time. Um, there's a, there's a lot of tax implications and long-term capital gains and things like that. Yeah. Um, so can I say something for you? I want to say something about that, Keith. First of all, these are great, great problems to have, to have these problems in your twenties. Um, you want, in addition to going to establish a relationship, let's say with a Garrett person, 
You also want a CPA who does tax. Perfect. And those two in combination are going to be very important for you, especially with a situation like yours with options that could vest, that could make you a very wealthy person or collectively a very wealthy couple. You want to make sure that you do the things that are tax planning that can be really helpful to you that might reduce the tax burden from being uh, lucky enough and hardworking enough that you end up in a case where you have access to stock options and the rest. So good for you and keep saving that money and how fantastic that the two of you are on such a great glide path right now. Carol is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Carol. Hello. Thank you. Thank you, Clark, for taking my call. Certainly. What's going on with your son? Well, he has decided to um, go back and get his um, doctorate in physical therapy. And so that's a a big commitment for him. Uh, It's a three-year program. And so um, I would like to help out with um, some of the cost involved in that. He's trying to do it um, without um, getting getting as, as little debt as possible. We know it's going to be expensive. So, so my, my thought was um, I've not ever done a, a 529 plan. And so this is a little bit of a different twist because usually they're done for small children and have time to grow over time. Sure. But, um, my state does offer a state uh, income tax um, benefit to it. And so I didn't know if it would be worth just funneling money through that, even if it's going to be coming out um, in, you know. Such a short order. So, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yes. The answer to your question is different because you have the state tax benefit. So, running at least enough money each of the three years through uh, the 529 plan that would Mm -hmm. qualify you for the maximum state tax deduction that you can qualify for is Mm -hmm. really smart. Okay. One thing to check is, does your state require, and you'll need, this will require more digging on your part, do they require that the money stay in the account for a certain period of time, or there's a clawback on the state tax deduction? Oh, okay. Okay. But if if you can do it without a clawback, or if the clawback period, let's say, is a year, you would put money in that you wouldn't use till the second year. If the clawback period's two years, you wouldn't use it till the third year of the doctoral program. Okay, okay. That sounds like a good good strategy then. But beyond beyond what you'd qualify for a tax benefit, putting the money in, there's not really a meaningful advantage to putting money in the 529 account in this case because you're going to uh, turn this money so quickly into tuition. And and when they say the, the max tax deduction, that is regardless of how many 529s I have. So if I had one that was for uh, a grandson, then that I wouldn't have a max, the same max deduction for him as well. It's just Oh, that's a great question. That's completely dependent on the state tax law. Okay. okay. So so that's going to require a little bit. Make sure you do it when you're wide awake. If you drink coffee, have a good cup of coffee because those documents are pretty dry that explain how the state tax deductions work. But you want to make sure that you 
in fact, qualify. If for some reason you're not able to qualify, then I wouldn't bother with 529s for your son as quickly as he'll go through this program. But what an exciting career choice he's made. It's Ask Clark time. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask, and then producer Joel asks your question for you. Who you got, Joel? Clark got one from Mark. He says, I'm looking at the Fundrise Real Estate Investment website. Is, is this a legit company, and do you think that this is something worth investing in? As best I can tell, Fundrise is perfectly legitimate uh, as far as whether it's the most efficient way for you to invest in real estate. I'm unconvinced. So the idea of Fundrise is you pay an upfront fee of 1%, if I remember right, then you pay ongoing management expenses for them to put together a somewhat diversified portfolio of real estate that you are an investor in. Now, the thing is, is that there are much more efficient ways for you to diversify in real estate through a real estate fund that you can buy in and out of at any time, or Vanguard has a fund that is the lowest cost in the industry with zero cost going in or out that is a, um, a real estate investment index fund that has an ongoing management expense of just a little over one-tenth of one percent per year. So there are a number of companies that are not as well known as Fundrise that are offering the ability for you to invest in a portfolio of real estate. The issues are what are the costs going in, what are the ongoing costs, and then how easily you're allowed to exit if you want out, and how long does it take to get out? All right, Clark, and my, Matt wants to know, what is the best debt consolidation company? No debt consolidation company. I don't believe in debt consolidations. I feel that they're rearranging deck chairs. When you need a debt consolidation, when you're wheezing on your debt, it generally does not work out going to somebody who says they'll do a debt consolidation. But you may be able to refinance some debt you have at a lower rate with uh, someone like Lending Club as an alternative and or Prosper.com. The other thing is if you're really having trouble with your debt, you need to get into the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling at nfcc.org. Figure out what you got to face in front of you. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.